0: I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. Sometimes I like to sit by the ocean and contemplate the meaning of existence.
1: <laughs> and I'm direct to the fifth anime. I have a fifth element hip hop with knowledge. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Stick.
0: Definitely gonna be uh, some PE featured in this podcast. That's for damn sure, man. I, these, <laughs> these numbers are uh-huh. these numbers are bonkers. I, I didn't anticipate this. But um, did you know?
1: Um, did, you, did you know that um, fun fact? Did you know that uh, Chuck D actually uh, sued Biggie uh, when he did the Ten Crack Commandments?
0: I did not know that. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, fun fact. Fun fact. I, I forgot where I forgot where I learned it, but I was just like, raw I, th- I think he. Le- I think he chilled on it. Afterwards, but like initially, he uh, sued him for doing that. One, two, three. There, so yeah, yeah. So, fun fact, fun fact for you guys, and you're gonna get a lot of facts on this <laughs> particular episode. So, you know, uh, plenty more where that came from. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you been to do this week?
0: Uh, well, didn't have the best week, but I never really have the best week, so that's not not too much different. But I want to talk about because last week I did review Judas and the Black Messiah, but I got Charlie to cut it because Charlie uh i mean after what he said mine sound woefully uninformed like really uninformed i'm not going to review it this week either uh, but i will say that having done some research during the week i certainly echo charlie's sentiments because fred hampton was a revolutionary socialist and he once said you don't fight capitalism with no black capitalism you fight capitalism with socialism he also said and i'm just giving you some facts here just putting this out there In a speech at Illinois University in 1969, he said, Capitalism comes first and next is racism. That when they brought slaves over here, it was to take money. So the first idea came that we want to make money, and then the slaves came in order to make that money. That means that capitalism had to, through historical fact, racism had to come from capitalism. It had to be capitalism first, and racism was a byproduct of that. Anybody that doesn't admit that, is slow through their non-admittance and non-participation in the struggle uh, that all they are people... Okay, I've, I've mistyped that last bit. But basically, what he says is that if you don't admit that, then you're showing through your non-admittance and non-participation that you don't really understand or you're not you're not going to make a commitment to the message. And so I don't want to say much more than that um, because I think Charlie nailed it last week. I think that he gave a really coherent and well-researched opinion and if you want to like know more about that and and why I have said those things and quoted those things then I definitely would recommend going back and listening to Charlie's uh, Charlie's what's the right way it is a review it's definitely a review and then re listen to the album with that in mind because I think it really changed the way I felt about the album I also listened to Jim Jones and Harry fraud the fraud department Uh, Jim Jones has Jim Jones is interesting because he's really become synonymous with like piercing observations, vivid storytelling, and huge charisma. And it's actually really a joy to watch an MC continue to grow and improve this far into their career. Because it's it's wild that I would even consider saying this, but in twenty twenty one, Jim Jones is a dipset artist I most want new product from. Like his flow is starting to wear a little. You know, it's not the most dynamic or adaptable. But Harry Fraud laces him up with. Just it's a little less decadent than the hitmaker's production on his last Project El Capo. It, but it's a little bit more relevant in terms of the underground, like battle heart and MC. And I don't mean battle rap, I just mean life experience. And we're kind of seeing this rise of rappers who have lived extraordinary lives and survived serious trauma. And, you know, some of them are obviously still going through it. Benny the Butcher is recovering right now. He just got shot. So Jim Jones is a really interesting addition because when Dipset were massive like really top of the charts message in, in the 2000s We Fly High went number 5 on the Hot 100 that's pop star level but Jim Jones is really at ease in this less glamorous role like he's focusing more on real life and, and real life experiences uh, it's just I don't know man he's really really maturing incredibly and I'm enjoying everything that he puts out at the moment um, he turns 45 this year and just continues to improve so that's you know, it's very impressive. Uh, conflicts of Interest, uh, Conflict of Interest, sorry, by Getz. So, Charlie put me on to Getz and I confused him with Giggs. I'm just going to put that out there. It's a very embarrassing thing for me to do. And, and I apologize to Getz and gigs. But Getz is 36 now. And this is exactly the kind of album I would expect of someone this age. And I actually went back, like after I listened to this album, and thought more about applying that to, you know, Jay Z and Nas retrospectively and we get albums like Kingdom Come and Untitled at the Same life stage that they're in. And there are albums on there that sorry, songs on there that are that are worthy of that level of ego development and self-awareness, but definitely not at the level that I'm seeing with Getz on this project because I feel like this is a really fully immersive listen even if it doesn't have a traditional narrative structure held together by skits and you know the same way we would normally think of a concept album. It's more like Gets is The conductor kind of walking us through his wins and losses, uh, his emotional states, the processes he goes through, uh, all while defining his place in the world. And, you know, I feel like autobiography is a lot less structured than the word suggests. I think memoir would be a more appropriate title for that particular song. And I think that really highlights just the vibe and energy of the whole album. He really muses on his life experiences. And then he considers how they've shaped his worldview. And a lot of this album is just that. You know, Getz figuring out what his experiences mean for him in the present and how he can Mm. use the present to better define his future. And I think that's an incredibly important point at the age of 36. You know, earlier in a rapper's career, you might expect them to be talking about the past and how they've defined the present. But it really feels like Getz is understanding how the past has defined his present, but then using that to shape his future in a more meaningful direction. And I think it's really amazing. I think it's a great record it's a little bit too long. I think they just could have cut the Ed Sheeran song. You know, I, I don't know, but I guess <laughs> yeah. When I saw it come up on my screen, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Before he was done. Yeah, we got him. We got him in here. He's but, um, back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyway, ten thousand tears. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um. No, I highly recommend this album. I thought it was it was really solid. Uh, CJ loyalty over royalty. Definitely a worthy addition to the drill genre in 2021. I don't think the beats are going to win any competitions for variability, but I think CJ sounds really energetic on top of them. Uh, He really dominates them. The solitary feature on here is French Montana, which I found kind of weird. Like um, He actually sounds really good on this song, but I feel like uh, CJ has a lot of growth left, and he signed to Warner, and I think that Warner, I hope that they're on top of the situation, but they seem to be. Because Whoopty, which is the the single that blew him up, hit number 10 on the Hot 100 and number 3 on the UK singles chart. That really blew me away. And he doesn't have any projects prior to this or any singles. He was mainly just working on YouTube and SoundCloud. So my hope is that this is not like a Lil Nas X kind of situation where Warner are just trying to catch a quick first week and then dip. Because I actually think that he has the ability to progress. And he has an adaptable voice. And I hope that this is a long term investment rather than a short term cash grab. But, you know, time will tell. Um, I'm still waiting on whether what they're going to do with Rumor, RMR. I don't know what's going on with that. But, yeah, I guess it's hit or miss with the major label system. Finally, Yellow Wolf and Kaski. Kasky? Kaski? I apologize for mispronouncing that name. Yellow Wolf, Black Sheep. This is weird because it's clearly the the song titles are focused on like as if it's a Yellow Wolf solo project, but it's definitely a collab project. But anyway, um, I was pretty excited to jump in this project because Yellow Wolf was kind of like the first port of call for us young white adults living in Sydney and looking for something other than Eminem to listen to. I remember my friend was just listening to Trunk music over and over again, and the beats on that are crazy, man. Like. We blew out speakers listened to that project. Since then, Yellow Wolf has had a pretty wild arc. Like, he dropped his Shady debut, which went number 27, Radioactive. Then he took that huge left turn in 2015 with Love Story, which was like a blend of country and rap. It went number 5 and sold 51k first week, certified gold. I think that album confused people a lot. I remember the perception being a little bit cold towards it. He's dropped heaps of products since then, but none of it has really exploded. Uh, He beefed with Royce, and then they patched that up. So it's really hard to know what you're going to get from Yellow Wolf. I feel like this is solid. Like, you could always rap really, really well. And I think next to Kasky, it's like a match made in heaven. You know, a lot of bars, a lot of simple content done well over good production. I did enjoy it, but I was kind of hoping for a little bit, something a little bit more grungy. Because, you know, I've had a fucking horrible few months, and sometimes you just want to you want to listen to someone being a little bit grungy but um you know Yellow Wolf usually kind of gives us that kind of depth whilst managing to uh, he has this weird dichotomy right where he's, he's talking about trailer park stuff and really challenging things in poverty but he's still driving expensive cars and and he's being rich at the same time so it's kind of like this escapism and realism all at once you know i find that a really fascinating uh, angle to his music this project is not that but it's just two very good rappers rapping a lot. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, I would recommend short, man, 36 minutes. So, yeah, if you haven't checked in with Yellow Wolf in a while, then I'll give it a go. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is pro- I think this is my most, uh, most projects to this week. Uh, for, uh, in a week this year, which is a uh, nice... To have more of these releases, please. Uh, started off with Dark Time Sunshine uh, Law. Uh, I am not. I was not aware of Dark Time Sunshine uh, until now. Uh, they have dropped, you know, previous projects, but they haven't dropped since 2012. So it's obviously been a bit of a hiatus for them. Um, and yeah, this is a some very uh, on-point uh, alternative uh, hip hop going on. Uh, it was funny i was going i was going to say initially when i was like listening to it, it was like a, yeah it's got some a Aes- rock feel to it you know what i mean the beat the beats are the beats are very uh spatial they're like the same but not the same but it's just like a really good um uh, it's, it's a very cohesive listen from a production standpoint. Uh, lyrically, it's just all over the place, and it's very hard to keep up. Uh, not not with like speed or anything, but just like the themes and what they're talking about. It's just a little, it's just a bit. Bleh. Uh, it obviously goes from song to song. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's funny I said Aesop Rock because actually he features um, on this, but as a uh, part of uh, Hail Mary Mallon, uh with uh, Rob Sonic. And uh, yeah, you have a uh, Rap Ferreira and Homeboy Sandman as well on the feet, a couple of features here, or well, one feature actually, The Right Kids, they're both on the same uh, track. Uh, but yeah, so a very, uh, very interesting album. Uh, very interesting album. I think if you like those kind of guys, uh, if you're into that alternative thing, definitely give uh Dark Time Sunshine a listen. Uh next is Substance 810, making waves. Um Yeah, this is this gives me real uh real like Griselda, pusha T kind of vibes, especially push T vibes. I, I I don't know why I him specifically, but it, it just gives me that kind of uh it gives me that kind of uh vibe to him. I think more I think more like early clips actually. Let's just say that. I think I think it's closer to that. Um but yeah, so, you know it's got it's got these it's got these hard, grimy uh production but it's a uh, very uh it, it's got hip hop elements to it in terms of like uh you know scratches and stuff like that so it's not exactly just um you know nostalgia for for uh, for a song comparison it's not like that just beat over and over again, um, just, like, ringing in your ears, but it's just some, you know, there's some, there's some variety in that, in in the beats themselves, uh, but, yeah, uh, he comes through with this, um, you know, just a 38 minute album, uh, 12, 12, 12 tracks, I think it's worth a shout, uh, so, yeah, if you guys want that kind of, that kind of, uh, energy, uh, be sure to go for that, subs and say 10, uh, Sylvain Lequeux, Young Sylvain, ep- episode one, uh, I feel like, um, I haven't seen Sil- I haven't heard from Sylvan in a minute. Uh but yeah, he comes through with this uh, little EP and uh, I think the thing here is him going for like uh uh you know, dipping into the popular sounds uh but not trying but not but having it as part of like an alias, so he has this young Sylvan thing, kind of like the um kind of like a Victor Vaughn in some in some, uh, some fashion, so, like he's it's-, it's not trying to be like Sylvan the Q, he's young Sylvan, he he's doing it differently. You know what I mean? Obviously young Sylvan is gonna go by the sound sounds of Voscan at the moment. And to be honest, um obviously this isn't uh for those that have listened to Sylvan the Q, um, you know, this isn't his uh wheelhouse, but I really I really enjoyed the uh, the way he went about this. I th- I think it's very uh it's a very interesting um little EP. Uh, MJ with uh uh Mer- Ra is actually a real good track. I really like that one. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it's got some trappy elements. Uh, you, know, it's just young Sylvain, uh, you know, just young Sylvan. You know, just begin a bit of a flex on, getting a bit of flex on. I can't hate. Really can't hate on that. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Sylvan the Q. Uh, Lava Larue, butterfly. God, I love Lava Larue. Rue. I love Lava Larue. I, I, I just, I just, uh, there's just something about. Um, uh, I guess like. Overall tone of everything, I feel like it's just in a nice, a nice place for me personally. Where like, you know, she can she can rap. She's she's got some good vocals on there. Uh, a a couple of these tracks really give off like um, uh, taming parlor vibes. Uh, it's very it's, it's, it's really psychedelic elements to this psychedelic rock kind of elements to this. Uh, a couple of these tracks, uh, she raps on a on a couple of these tracks as well. Uh, what's the one I got on my regular rotation? Uh, Magpie. Bangs, absolutely bangs. and it has this sample that I've heard somewhere else, and I can't for the life of me remember where else I heard it. Um, so if you guys have listened to, go listen to Magpie and uh, put me on, because I've I, I've heard it before, I've heard the somewhere before, but yeah, shout out to Love LaRue. she's 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 freaking great. Uh, Lexi, uh, Allejai, uh, to come back soon. Uh, this is actually quite depressing because I was like, uh, <laughs> I was listening to this and um. I was just, like, really enjoying it. I was like, this is good, this is good. And I kind of, I initially had, like, the comparisons to, like, something like of a Wale, because, um, you know, it was really just rapping about relationships and stuff like that. And, you know, it's kind of like a female Wale in a sense. And funny enough, Wale actually turns up in a feature. Um, so that kind of uh, cinched it for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, there you go. As soon as, as soon as I had that thought, Wale came on the track. I was like, oh. But then, okay, but then I just looked up who she was, and I was just like, oh, rah, she died <laughs> last year. At 20 years old, and I was just like fucking devastated because I was just like, this girl has some real potential, and uh, yeah, it just really hit me like a ton of bricks to be honest. So, I listened to the album itself and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, then I looked up who she was, and it was just that and it just came up as that. Um, and, and uh, yeah, man, so it's a bit, it's a bit, a bit of sweet, um, that I discovered, uh, you know, on a basically a posthumous album, um, and I highly doubt there's anything else considering that she was twenty years old at the time and uh she was literally talking about like like her future on one of the tracks one of the later tracks and it was really uh, just thinking about it in retrospect now it's just uh really deflating so uh you know i repeat to lexi on that front um but since the album it's just uh really good and uh you know it's just uh i was i was literally thinking as i was listening to it, I was just like damn man we can literally add her to like the 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 new breed of like uh, females coming in with just some heat, you know what I mean, like, her, Chaina, Noir, Juni, and just all of them lot, I was just like, fuck, damn, man, it really could have been it, but anyway, uh, yeah, go spin that, guys, uh, Ayana Witter-Johnson, Rise Up, uh, another little EP, uh, this is only three tracks, but they're pretty lengthy, so, you know, you get some, you get some good stuff out of this, uh, so, Ayana Witter-Johnson, for my, for my limited, uh, 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 research Um, she's a singer songwriter and she has this um, uh, she has this real interesting sound where uh, she's actually um, uh, composed some of this stuff uh, with the uh, uh, London uh, Symphony Orchestra Um, so she has this classical and contemporary mix going on with her music Um, Akala features on uh, the first track and that's just super good uh, but the Rise Up rhythm, the last track, it's just, oh, just it bangs so much. Like it's just, I don't know how she does it, but it comes through with just like this. Um, obviously these classical elements, you have got these strings and all of that stuff, um, and also on the first track as well. But uh, yeah, man, it also has like these just these nice bassy drums as well. It's just, oh, it's just different. It's just, it's just refreshing. It's different. Like you ain't gonna get this anywhere else. It's just a great mix of contemporary. And classical, um, she just nails it, absolutely freaking nails it. I'd love, like, a full album of that kind of music. That would be just outstanding. Uh, but here's 12 minutes, three tracks, go get into that. Uh, Blocker Beats, uh, Nairobi Yetu. Um, I think I got this from uh, Lapita Nyong'o. She actually uh, posted something about this, and I was just like, well, any reason to listen to something? Because I was really bored at that point. Um, so, yeah, I gave this a listen. Uh, the beats themselves are good... Uh, I would say the uh, features uh, going on top of them uh, could have been better, um, just from a lyrical, uh, I guess, uh, expertise standpoint. Um, but, yeah, the beats themselves, and I assume because it's Blocker Beats, so all his beats, uh, on that front, it was pretty good. I, I really, I really like the beats on that front. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the lyrics were, yeah, it could have been better. Uh, Kelly Rowland, Kelly Rowland, who knew? Yeah, a little EP, uh, oh, called, wow. literally called K. <laughs> I missed it. Damn. <laughs> literally, called, literally called yeah, yeah. I oh, know. It came out of nowhere, right? I, I, yeah, I, I forgot Roland. even how I found it. Yeah, man. Uh, she she bangs on this, bro. She bangs on this. Like she Boys. she. It's just, it's just Kelly yeah. Ronan, man. She's like a you legend. can't you can't. Yeah, man. She, she, ain't, miss a, she ain't missing in the beat. ain't missing nah. a beat. Uh, you know a couple of these tracks have the you know real uh, Caribbean element to it. You know what I mean? So a bit of a. You know, you could get a bit of hip movement on a couple of these tracks. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Get hips moving. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, man. Her just her lyrical Billy. Her, uh, you know, obviously her, them pipes. Just yeah, they, she gets it done. She gets it done. It's twenty minutes, six songs. Go get into that. Shout out to Kelly Rowland, the legend. And lastly, gets a conflict of interest. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Ben actually just kind of put my uh, thoughts a lot into a lot of. Into, uh, a lot of My thoughts into this. I think the memoir uh, point is actually very interesting. Um, And I felt like after autobiography, it kind of just like went to. It it kind of splits into, I think, like three acts, I think, in a way, from how I see it. I think like the first actors like from fine wine to autobiography and then like you know good hearts to like uh, maybe yeah. *Sonia* or power family i guess yeah. like that kind of gets into like uh, the relationship side yeah, of things yeah, yeah. and then and then the last few just uh, uh you know obviously crud with boy gigs on that front uh little bo peep just hits man fuck like how, how are you gonna get wretch free to dave and hams on one track and they ain't gonna slap like fuck you know that uh, as finisher tracks goes that's killed it actually killed it everyone put 110 percent on that track uh, that was that was banging and all the features on here actually are really great um uh, well no oh, okay okay i forgot oh, i forgot, I forgot. <laughs> we
0: got an ed sheeran fan over here oh shut, ed up, shut up charlie shut up. was eating rice earlier plain shut rice up. so it makes total sense that he would be an ed sheeran fan just sits there eating <laughs> plain rice for dinner what kind of what kind of psychopath, are you? Charlie, <laughs> I
1: had, I had, I had so on it. I just, don't, I just don't like the texture of Bazman. rice. That's all. that's all it is, bro. I'm not saying the taste of it, it's just the texture of it. I'm not a fan of, but anyway, yes, 40 the slip. Um, yeah, I could have done without Ed Sheeran. And to be honest, the No Mercy track with uh, Parcelu and back row G mm, wasn't really into that one. Um, and also Squeeze, I think that a uh, Hook uh, could have been better, but apart from that you know Skengman Cruds uh IC3 Bangs Hop Out Fire and Brimstone Bangers um so yeah solid 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 album Shout Gets uh always and with that said, we shall jump into our topic of this episode, and it's one of those episodes that uh, 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 you know stick to the actual original ethos of the show. It's a rare. <laughs> completely It was completely threw in the bin. Uh, but we're just uh, going to take it out of the bin right quick and just uh, you know just uh, iron out those uh, iron out those uh, crumples that we, uh, uh, that we that we scrunched up originally. Uh, and yeah, I'm just going to leave Ben to introduce her uh, because obviously it's uh, you know a bit of. He's been putting in some time on this one So uh, it's, uh, it's only right for uh, let him explain And uh, set the scene for what we're about to explore today Okay,
0: so I was going to make a joke And say this was like some sort of edge here in retrospective But this is actually way more exciting than that It's, it's <laughs> funny this, this is an idea I had um, God knows how I even came across this idea But the first idea I had was How prevalent is sampling Wasn't it in- when we did tribe? Is that how it came about? It might have happened on air, did it? Fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah. I swear we were talking about tribe and like
0: samples um, off wax. I, thought, I think I mentioned that definitely, but it all right. It from that, no, sure. for for sure. I mean that that makes perfect sense because you know tribes heavily sample based, and what I really wanted to look at, and I think it was Charlie who was talking about. I think you said something specifically about. 1991 or 1992, and how you felt like sampling had become a lot less prevalent, then obviously because yeah, the Bismarck case. I remember now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, okay, yeah. I was reading this, yeah. This is a true digging in the digits collaboration, like, we really put our heads together and and came up with this one. And um, then I went away and did 100 hours of work, and then came back and we have this, so it's pretty cool. (laughs) So, um, you know, naturally, sampling is at the very core of hip hop, it's being. And it was built off the process uh, with breakbeats forming the backbone of hip-hop production at its actual genesis. And during the late 70s and throughout the entire 1980s when hip-hop experienced its commercial breakthrough, sampling was so prevalent it was really difficult to find a beat that didn't borrow a bass line or a drum pattern. Funky Drummer is a great example of a a drum line that enhances a hip-hop song. It's been been sampled 1,686 times according to Who Sampled. There's probably more out there. Fight the Power by Public Enemy, Fuck the Police by N.W.A., Mama Said Knock You Out by L.L., uh, The Cool by Lupe Fiasco. So many songs have sampled that. And hip-hop production was originally built off this. And, you know, in recent years, it's, it's actually become an auxiliary part of rap. I find it to be a really valuable art form in and of itself, you know, the ability to build on top of something and create something new. Like taking the drums from funky drummer gave artists a license to create just about anything because when you're building off such a strong foundation, it really elevates the feel of the track and it adds that touch of familiarity, which is often a huge predictor of enjoyment in new music, I feel. And you know, now that it's become kind of the exception rather than the norm, it's it's a bit weird because in the 1980s, identifiable samples gave hip-hop songs a significant amounts of uh, amount of familiarity which is actually, you know, when you think about it, it's a rarity in a musical genre so young. And I really believe that this helped propel the commercial success forward way more rapidly than if samples weren't readily used. So this is, if this is the case, and, it, you know, it was a big predictor of commercial success back then, what happened? Theoretically, you would think that new, newer artists would seek this out in order to establish themselves. And we've seen ample instances in this to back this theory up. And we could pretty much include the entirety of the mixtape game in this. Because like, is that's when an artist lifts a beat wholesale and just wraps over the top of it to show their own prowess. And like if we look at Lil Wayne's rise in the late 2000s or mid to late 2000s, he was just he he hopped on everyone's beat. And so as soon as you heard that beat, you would think of that song. And Lil Wayne somehow would manage most of the time to transform that song into his own. These are songs that we heard on the charts all the time. And Lil Wayne's on there just lyrically slaying it. So it brought that. That element of familiarity that you felt comfortable with, and you weren't going to skip it. You're like, okay, I know this beat. I want to see where this is going. And then Lil Wayne showed that he was an incredibly good rapper, and that's a blueprint that a lot of rappers have used over the years. Um, so it's yeah, it's really interesting. Like we've we've seen contemporary examples of new artists blowing up via the sampling of much older songs. Like Juice World is a great example of this with with Lucid Dreams. Rest in peace, Juice World. That song sampled Shape of My Heart by Sting, um, and it sampled it so thoroughly and without permission, I believe. I think they only found they caught it after the song had been released. But 85% of all the royalties for Lucid Dreams go to Sting on that song. And Sting actually loved the song. Sting said he loves Lucid Dreams, which is another thing we'll get into later about the delineation between uh, publishers and rights holders and actual songwriters that's something that we're going to talk about a lot in this episode but it didn't matter that 85% of the royalties went to sting in that and that the juice world wasn't making a lot of money off it because it already had propelled him to the forefront of the genre by that stage like it was such an iconic and such a not even so much iconic probably a lot of rap fans didn't really know this song by sting but it was a good song you know it was a really 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 good song and Juice WRLD was able to use that and then elevate it and put something else on it and, and morph it into something different that was still a good song and it was just you know it was more hip hop focused and and that really helped him to achieve commercial success which he would then build upon and there there are actually not that many examples post 2010 certainly compared to the 1980s it's kind of like a barren landscape and when we get into this 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 Wow, that was poor. The statistics, they they overtly back this up. Um, you know, albums like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, like 24, 21st get Century Schizoid, man. What's going on with my, my tongue today? me? Uh, King, King, King Crimson, uh, Avril 14th by Apex, Apex Twin. They're they're too expensive these samples they're too expensive for anyone outside of the top echelon of artists to even really attempt it so it's become really quite rare and we'll talk about the rockefeller stuff in the early 2000s and whilst we all remember the the sped up soul samples and the revival of the sample is kind of like a you know like a little bit of a throwback and you know it was it made for some incredible music b is a great example of that by common uh But when we look at this, we look at these statistics and the reason why sampling has dropped off so much, we're actually going to see how big of an achievement that actually was for Rockefeller. This is kind of the reason why I don't believe hip hop will ever return to the golden age, because production has changed so fundamentally that it's almost too far removed now from what it used to be to ever truly revert, even in a throwback style, because as we'll get into it, it's just become too expensive, you know? So, yeah, before we get into the timeline, I don't know if, Charlie, you want to react to any of that and just the setup and how you feel about this particular topic.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I highly agree with on the last point. I think that's very uh point to say and probably would have been saying <laughs> uh, something we said, we would have said uh, to finish off. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like that's kind of the... There has to be missing ingredient, right? I feel like because when we talk about the golden age, and you know, people that don't feel like that uh, the golden age was the golden age, you know, they they say whatever reason, but I feel like that's that has to be the 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 missing ingredient as to why. Oh, for sure, for uh, sure. Yeah, as a why The stats that's a classic. The stats
0: yeah. blow this up, man. The stats really show it's like yeah. we're we're making some pretty big claims here, but I've literally got a data set with an insane amount of statistics and it's it's wild when you see the stats. So yeah, I agree with Charlie, yeah. yeah
1: exactly. So um I, I feel I feel like with with this we will just like I mean, in my mind put that particular argument to rest because um well I I don't think people I don't think many people uh, <clears throat> are trying to have that argument these days. But um, one thing I was even I was like thinking about in past years was like I feel like there's a a a, a golden age of producing, but not exactly in the sense of uh, you know all these great beasts are being made, right? I feel I feel like it's more as to because producing has become so acceptable. Well, not acceptable, but um, accessible, sorry. Um, the reason why it's become so... Uh, because it's become so accessible now and, like, you know, I could literally just... I think we had this conversation, that produced episode, like, episode, I don't know, six or something. <laughs> um, uh, as we as we come to 100 nearly, um, <clears throat> there was a... You know, you can download Splice right now. Boom. Make a beat. Boom. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's not hard. It's not hard these days. Um, so, <clears throat> while I feel like it's, uh, there's a the 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 barriers have lowered significantly, um, because you know, as if if as some of you know, if you're you know any, into the history of hip hop in any way, like the reason why hip hop gained a kind of boom, uh, uh, uh at that at the time it did was because um, of the New York blackout, like the people just started ransacking and getting the gear. Um, to make to make certain beats or whatever, or to just DJ in general. Like I wouldn't have if if New York blackout didn't happen. I wonder what I really do wonder. Like how 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 stunted hip hop Mm. would have been, uh, after that, um, after that flashpoint. Um, Because really, that when that happened, fuck. Like everyone just had everyone had everyone had a crew. All of a sudden, it's literally it. Once you get accessible. Uh, once, once things become accessible, uh, it's not about the haves and the have nots. It's about who's just, who's just simply more talented. Um, and in some ways that's the way it should be in life. I feel like, but, um, you know, is what it is on some fronts, uh, in many, <laughs> many other facets of life, uh, education for one anyway. But, um, yeah, enough, enough of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is, I feel like this is just going to be a real, uh, Interesting look. Uh, just how and I don't know how where we're gonna drop this uh, particular particular graph that you have at the start of the thing, but like it's just <laughs> the slope is so low. It's wild. It just go it just plummets. It's 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 fucking crazy. Just the how much it plummets and uh, yeah. So hopefully we just uh you know settle a few arguments here and uh and uh just get some existential uh confirmation on a lot of things and uh you know not saying the quality's dipped in any way. I don't think it has. No. Um, but it's certainly it's certainly lost an ing- an important ingredient um,
0: for the whole for the whole body of work I guess for what hip hop is. Before we jump into the timeline, you know we talk about the five elements of hip hop and one of them being DJing and and you and I often say that that's production. Do you feel like sampling therefore is a massive part of DJing and and it's possible <coughs> that that element. Not lost completely, but do you, do you know what I'm trying to say here? It's just not the same yeah. as it once was because production yeah. is now not so much about DJing. It's it's more about creating something from scratch, you know, entirely without sampling. Do you think that that's, that's valid to say?
1: Yeah, I, I feel so. Um, the reason why I like um, someone like Jay Period, for example, uh, obviously talked about him during that uh, Bytes episode with Mashups. And the reason why I enjoy listening to his stuff so much, he actually did a live recording with uh, Ra Kim recently. Um, and that's dropped on his Bandcamp. camp. Go give that a listen because it fucking slaps. Um, but yeah, he basically, you know, he had like uh, some, uh, you know, other hip hop tracks and also had some, obviously, some Eric B and Ra Kim material. Um, he had like a... Let me me get up on the tracks uh, because the track names really come up with just like you can easily see what he's (laughs) what he's uh, uh, about to do with that uh, particular track. Uh, But yeah, as I I look that up right quick, um, it it, because of that, uh, the reason why I enjoy something like that so much is because he's not just like doing some scratches or some blending or any any of that stuff. He's literally sampling other hip hop tracks. And you know, making it into something a little bit, a little bit different. Obviously, it's two tracks, and you know, in some ways, that's just sort of plain, plain DJing. Uh, but you know, when you add someone like Rakim on it, it's just gonna, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a bit different. It's, it's be, it's gonna be a bit different. Know uh, you got Troy. Mm, I wonder what, the, I wonder what that combines. <laughs> uh, 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 Pasta peas, Eric B. Uh, I wonder what that was. You know, it's just uh, follow the funky leader. Come on, guys. It's 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 easy, but uh, you know, a little fun, little fun game for you guys. But yeah, things like that, I feel like are needed more in just the whole lexicon. And um, uh, and I I don't know whether um you know that could that will ever come back in the force that it originally was. Um, you know, that's wishful thinking. Uh, but yeah, I've wholeheartedly agree, agree with you on that on that particular point of uh you know DJing itself is different now and uh for for better or worse um <laughs> you know, for better or worse it is what it is and uh, you know you can you can go people like a ninth wonder live stream or a free live stream or a, uh d nice live stream and you know you're going to enjoy yourself right it's, it's you're going to enjoy yourself um but uh the ex- The reason why hip hop became hip hop after that, um, because you know they had the Grandmaster Flashes and stuff like that, but then you had the actual tracks themselves, like the message and stuff like that, and that was the next step. And that step is kind of that. That step is still there, but it's kind of being stunted a little bit because of some sa- because of sampling and uh, because of how you know expensive is is and how just red tape <laughs> how how it's being strangled by red tape basically
0: so yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway yeah no i agree i agree and i think albums that heavily focus on sampling in them you know in contemporary times always have this kind of i don't know like golden sheen around them you know we talk about mad villainy we talk about mad lib and, and it's just fun Ray gibbs and alchemist as well you know these are these are people who are held in the absolute highest regard and and they really throw it back like if you you know you listen to those kind of Albums now, and you listen to Madlib now, and you're wondering why is he so much better? It's just he he has, uh, you know, he has this innate ability to go back to sampling the way it used to be, and um, this is what it was like in the 1980s. I wasn't around, but I've listened to a fair bit of music from back then. It's it's fun, man. It's cool to to hear these samples and discover where they're from, and you know stuff like that. But we'll get into why this has become less of a thing now. So in 1991, as Charlie alluded to earlier there was a landmark case which genuinely changed hip-hop forever. Warner Brothers were taken on by Grand Upright Records, and it was Biz Markie's use of a Gilbert O'Sullivan song. Now, the judge ruled against Bismarck Markie and against sampling uh, in favor of Grand Upright. Now, there were some really sketchy rationalizations in the judge's verdict. Apparently, the judge was heavily persuaded by the fact that Warner had reached out to Grand Upright to clear the Gilbert O'Sullivan sample. The court claimed that this was the most persuasive evidence that the copyrights are valid and owned by the plaintiff, which to me doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything really about it. I assume this was a civil case. So there's like a precedent has to be set and there wasn't a precedent prior. So, you know, the judge seemed to be saying that because the record label reached out to clear the samples, that must mean that the samples needed to be cleared. Which, I don't know. Uh, this, uh, my brain is not connecting the dots there. Like, isn't there some sort of legal framework for this? But anyway, it was very, very damaging to hip-hop and sampling, you know. And, um, yeah, the the issue kind of spread through music like wildfire. Uh, there's, there's no industry... This was the problem. So, there was no industry standard, and there still isn't, when it comes to the cost of samples and the division of royalties. So rights holders, and I mean rights holders, not songwriters. Most of the time, the rights holders are record labels and publishers. They were suddenly free to demand 100% of the royalties of a song or charge <sighs> wild fees. They could do that, man. They, they had There was no legal obligation for them to put a, a specific percentage on them. If we know anything about labels and publishers, it's all about the money. So regardless of if a sample would be beneficial to the art form, the money was going to come first and it still does. Today, I've got stories down here later where it's, you know, so it kind of, the statistics show that sampling dropped off off the map then. We'll get to the stats in a little bit. But what it basically did on an existential level is it kind of bred this new kind of producer. And this really highlights the divide between labels and songwriters here. So the producer was one who could recreate samples by playing them live and then classing that as an interpolation. And this was really an essential development as it meant that artists only needed permission from songwriters rather than those who owned the master recordings, a.k.a the record labels, who are just, you know, they want to profit off it. So songwriters have proven to be much more rational with pricing and releasing samples. Um, An example of this would be uh, Jazzo singing Ain't No Woman by the Four Tops on Jay-Z's song Ain't No, or Just Blaze having to recreate the sample on Meet the Parents because Jay-Z was adamant that he wanted that song on Blueprint 2 and they couldn't get the original sample cleared. So Just Blaze said... That was all keys and live instrumentation. Sometimes you have to record a sample and you try to rework it in a rush job and it doesn't turn out too well. I brought in one of the musicians to play on it and it was one of those instances where it came out better than the original. So think about that, you know. Obviously most of my examples are Jay Z related because I know quite a lot about him, but Meet the Parents is an essential song on that album. It's one of Jay Z's best storytelling songs and as we'll get into in a little bit, it takes forever to get these samples cleared, man. You've, you've got to go through all this red tape, all this bureaucracy. It's quite expensive. Um, the problem with this workaround of, of playing the samples is it's obviously much more labor-intensive. And the issue with this whole thing is that um, the problem is when you create a song, and this is something that a lot of artists have spe- have said, until the song is finished you can't really clear the sample you're not going to go out with a bunch of records and start clearing samples before music is made because it might not even be worth it you know you might be paying nine thousand dollars for a sample you're not even going to use so you put in all this work to create this song and to collaborate with someone and then you get to the point of okay now we have to clear this and that's why a lot of albums don't come out because they can't get the samples cleared and it's you know it's it's really confronting to know that you know it's um' I don't know, it's it's such a weird thing. There's no streamlined way of this going down. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to react to that, Charlie, but I, I found the, the idea of the producers actually playing the sample fascinating. It's something I've heard heaps in my life. I've heard of producers saying these in interviews. I've never known why, and I always thought it was kind of an illegal thing to do, but now I totally understand. It's like trying to cut the rights holders, and it's similar to what Taylor Swift is doing right now. You know, she's actually re-recording all of her music because her masters, the master recordings of those songs are owned by someone else. I think Scooter Braun owns them right now. So she's going to re-record all her music. So now when people want to use it, she's going to give them the new versions of which she owns the master recordings and the master recordings of her old work will hopefully in her eyes be rendered kind of worthless. Um, But she has to re-record her own fucking music, man, to own the rights to it shit that is crazy to me like it's just sad the way it's it's infected hip-hop this way and, and infected music
1: yeah it's um it's 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 very it's 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 bloody like for 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 kind of no, no reason i feel like it i feel like the in in a utopian world it'll just be like and this is how I this is how I feel, right? When it comes to this kind of thing, and and, and the and the conversation of credit, right? If you if you take a you know, uh, I don't know. If if you want to like say a uh, well say say a chorus from from some other some other song, right? So you you said eight notes, so that's a good that's a good example, right? So in my mind, I feel like. Uh, in a utopian world, you would go to you know said artist or their estate if they're not here anymore, and you know just simply ask for the blessing and 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 if they want to, uh, like you know have a, uh, have a final say on the song itself or whatever, um, uh, before they say make a decision, anything like that. That's how I feel. In a, again, in a very utopian way, it should go down, but. That's not how it is, because and it could easily be. I feel like it could easily be. I feel like just going to just ringing up like whoever, and I feel like this is the this this happens in a lot of other circles, right? And without all this just jammy bullshit and and you know having to dig into people's pockets, right, in that in that fashion, um, I, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's all at the detriment of excuse me, it's, it's sort of the detriment of the art itself, I feel like. Um, you have this song, and you found a great sample for it, and you built the whole song around that sample, and you're just like, this bangs, this bangs, this bangs, and then you have to, and then you don't have to clear it, so then you just have to, what, keep the song in your hard drive for the rest of your life? That's just, that's shit, man. Like, that's shit. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of all the thoughts I had to it, honestly, it just it just pisses me off, to be honest. It's just, it's just whack. Um, the, I I now I'm now I'm just thinking, um, how many tracks since then have just not been out uh just just because they couldn't clear the shit? Oh, gosh, uh, the uh, it, must It, be it boggles wild. the mind. Yeah. <laughs> it, it must <laughs> it boggles the mind. So yeah, that's kind of just all I have in my mind now. It's just like oh, I just wonder to what people's what people's votes are saying just for legal reasons. They literally just can't they just, just can't do it, can't drop it for whatever reason. And it just sucks. Like it's uh, it's not what what it's supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about uh oh you you're supposed to pay this amount for 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 this licensing and stuff like. That. So it's like, bro, like I I I feel like just asking someone, and if they say no, then go by their wishes. And if and if they want to have a final say, then yeah, go for it. And yeah, but now it's just all of this. It's just it's just lawyers and and the uh, copyright and all this stuff. It's just uh eh. <sighs> It just sucks. It's just whack.
0: Well, let's hit the stats, and then I want to go back to that because that's an important point, and I've got some Punch figures. Punch the shit and... of bruv. <sighs> so we got the stats of fucking overt. Like, they're genuinely overt. So the 1991 Bismarcky case ended a spike that began at 3.5 samples per song in 1990, right? That's the highest in the data set. 2019 is the lowest 0.33 samples per song. That's where we come from. That's where we that's an insane amount. That's what, this is like 10 times less something like that <laughs> That's crazy man. So that's yeah. a sam- one sample every three songs in 2019. So the data set is made up of every top 10 hip-hop album from 1993 to 2019. Now prior to 1993, there weren't that many top 10. Albums on the billboard 200 in hip-hop. So I canvassed all the albums by major names uh, And I started in 1986 because that was the first year a hip-hop album went top ten Which was Beastie Boys license to ill which actually went number one. So obviously the sample information comes from who sampled So this is a crowdsourced sourced website um, Where it was pretty clear they didn't have the the right information. I use genius or I use title um but none of these are none of these are perfect figures. Like if I give you the the you know the number for a particular album, that's what the collective knowledge says it is. But only the the artist themselves could know. And we might talk about sample snitching or you know. But I'm not gonna actually. I'm gonna try not to use artist names. Um, Charlie can if he wants, but I don't really know. <laughs> All this stuff, you know, I'm not really tapped into it. Um, Connor would be a better person to talk to about this, he knows all about this. But, um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to use uh, here are the numbers of samples per song from 1986 through to 1999, starting at 1986. So, samples per song it's so got 1.5, 2.5, 3.3, 2.9, 2.5, 2.9, 3.1, 2.8, 2.1. so it's really interesting that the dip from the Bismarcky verdict was really sharp sorry that that was a 3.5 and then not a 2.5 my bad uh 2.9 3.5 so we went from 3.5 to 2.9, right? But it took a little while to land into like a solid rhythm because 1999 at 0.6 samples per song is really close to the average for the next 20 years. So by 1999, they'd basically set into this rhythm where this would this would be it. You know, that's you know that 0.6 is low, Um, and never again would that number ever go beyond one. There was never a year after 1999. 1998 even where there was more than one sample per, or even one sample per song, and that's even in 2004 when it actually hit a peak of 0.72, and that was no doubt off the back of you know the sped up soul sample revival led by Kanye, just Blaze and Bink of Rockefeller. I use some statistics here. I love statistics, man. I fucking love. Statistics. This is this is old school digging. It's just I like this. So the data backs this up because from 2000 to 2006. Rockefeller albums average 1.18 samples per song, whilst the other artists average just 0.55, which is less than half. And also it helped that Rockefeller, and I'm using Rockefeller here because this is you know this I don't believe this is sample snitching. this is pretty common knowledge that these samples they're, they're listed in the the jacket of the album. These are probably all cleared. Um, they were they were capable of paying these sample clearance fees on the back of, obviously, their Def Jam connection. And, you know, remember the Def Jam episode where the label was really at the pinnacle of their commercial success in the late 90s and early 2000s. They were absolutely Mm. on top of the game. Everyone was shipping units at that point. And, you know, certainly all the albums that had the highest sample-to-track ratio were massive names with big machines to call upon. You know, so... They, they all had major labels behind them, whereas in the 1980s, that wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of independent artists were racking up big numbers. Now, if we skip to the 2010s, we see the exact dynamic play out. Um, of the 339 top 10 albums of 2010s, only 64 have one sample or more per track, which is less than 19%. 21 albums have no samples whatsoever, um, and again at the top same names, you know same. I'm not going to name them but like big labels big machines behind them It's very clear from these statistics that trap albums utilize very few samples uh, Without warning by offset 21 Savage and Metro boom was on here. That was the 44th highest of the decade That's the highest trap album ranked, you know, that was 44 in the decade so Then we get down to YG, which is at number 65. That's the second. Um, Those are the only two trap albums that have more than one sample per song. So Mm. I think what does all this mean? I think it means it's, it's common sense in a lot of ways. And you're probably sitting there kind of nodding along like, you know, this is kind of what I already assumed. I think the analysis really confirms what we probably already knew. It's that modern producers and modern, modern artists aren't sample heavy at all, and that it's become prohibitively expensive to sample. You know, so much so that, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just not happening. It's just not happening anymore. So, um, yeah, of all the albums that feature more than one sample per song, sixty-four of them, uh, nearly half. Thirty went number one. Um, Forty of them went top two. So basically, the label was saying, as I said earlier about My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, they're saying, yeah, if you're gonna go number one, sure, we'll, we'll throw the we'll throw the book at this. You know, we'll give you the budget right. for these samples. Yeah. But if not, if you go on top five, top ten, uh, eh, eh, probably not. You know, and that, the statistics back that up. So, yeah, I think that's fucking. Those statistics are wild, man. If we could show people that graph right now, oh, shit, it drops <laughs> off a cliff, eh. Do you know what that last point that you made reminds me
1: of right it reminds me of uh this is bear with me but it makes sense um disney's uh uh new strategy to uh drop their films this is as pre- just say like corona didn't exist right so this is what their strategy was going to be originally right um as of like th- this time last year um Literally everything that is a blockbuster, guaranteed cinema. Everything else, Disney Plus streaming. Like not even gonna go to cinemas. Not even good. straight yeah. straight to straight to streaming. Straight to streaming. Yeah. Like that that it, that's exactly the comparison I feel like this has as it, as it pertains to now. Like if you aren't a mo- Doctor's to Fantasy and you are guaranteed... if you if you ain't guaranteed to go number one, then you ain't getting that P for it. Right? That's, that's kind of what it is, and these and these people know whether it's gonna go number one. They, they I feel like, of all the uh, <clears throat> of all the artistic entities that, are, that exist right now, I feel like for music and especially music in the U.S. is <laughs> mainstream hip hop. I feel like they have a pretty fucking good guess of where they're going to place. Right, you, you see a Drake album, you you know that's gonna go right. It's 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 nearly like book it it's, it's so nearly book it unless Honestly, some
0: I've... annoying country artist comes out and then puts out like a bundle with tickets to a tour that doesn't even exist i mean look man i i know that charts don't mean anything but that was just lame <laughs> that was so bad like he deserved that number one. Oh man that was wild <laughs> Yeah, um, so that, that was an anomaly, uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, that that was uh, that was interesting. Um, one album I want to shout out um, in this uh, albums with most samples per song uh, little lissy you've done, um, the one I want to mention, and it is the only only album with a two in it uh, that starts with a two. Watch the throne. Funny enough. Mm. <laughs> I, I was so I was literally like just glazing through it, glazing through it, and I was like, "Where are the two? Is there any two thousand albums?" I was like, "Let me let me look again." Is this is the only two thousand album? It's the only two thousand album. Uh, that has at least uh, as of Ben's day set, 3.2 it is has a, a, a 3.5 right that's just fascinating to me so that's, that's all, absolutely yeah. fascinating yeah. and you just said, you just said like Dodge of fantasy like that that had a few but is ain't no, anyone here not on this funny enough funny how it funny how that works like it's crazy like What's we the, think of
0: doctors of fantasy and it's just like yeah What's the special? previous the previous highest was 94. So ninety four is the latest album on this list, and then I think that's the top thirty heaviest sampled albums. Um so right. 994 is the latest until twenty eleven. There's nothing in between there and nothing after that. Everything else is pre ninety four. And then no, no, there's a uh, ninety six here. Is there? Oh it's my yeah, bad. A few the score.
1: Uh G's the score, the ninety okay, no, no. six. That's I fair. think that that's makes it. Sense. I think that is actually it, nineteen ninety six.
0: All right. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, I feel
1: uh, <laughs> it's just fascinating. This is just fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah, that is just it. So, nineteen ninety six to twenty eleven, fat gap. I feel like that's it. I feel like that's it. That's the that's the encompassing that we that we can that we can give here, right? So, think about that, ladies and gentlemen. So, what's the to- what's the total number of here from from top to bottom? How many albums? Oh,
0: thirty. Gosh. Right? Oh yeah, on that list, yeah, thirty. Yeah,
1: yeah, on that list. Right. On that on that on this top thirty that Ben's done right here, right. Uh, all of them are pre, uh, uh, apart from two, are pre-96. Think about that. Think about that. Two, two <laughs> albums are 96 onwards. That is fucking crazy to think about. That actually boggles the mind. And kind of, and honestly, people, you don't need to see the graph. I feel like that that is the perfect uh, encapsulation and perfect visual that you can do for yourself. So you have everything else. 86 to, uh, from eighty six to from eighty six to ninety five, and then you have that one ninety six album with Fuji's the score, uh, which actually was it this anniversary recently, or was it just um, people were talking about Lauren and uh, Mr. Education, which is actually my yet. light note. But anyway, I think it comes
0: yeah. mid mid year, something like that. I
1: mid, mid, yeah, all right, all right, well, I think it was the Lauren news. But anyway, I'll get to that in the light note. Um, and yeah, so um, I, just just think about that first. of ninety six all the way to twenty eleven, and none re, none since none since. Uh, you know, you, you you mentioned like Alchemist, and Madlib, and all the and all these these like you know they're still doing it, right? And I think we can, um, if you if you want to, we can go into the uh, the the snitching side of it because I have a I have a kind of like a, a thought to that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, just just thinking about that. From the, the only album with two with two starting with two in this top thirty list is Watch the Throne. That just boggles the mind and I don't even think about it as that kind of album but here we are with that with that answer and you know you can think of other albums and you're just like oh, that has boss samples that has boss samples but it's not 3.5 <laughs> it, ain't per, it ain't per song I think that's the reason we think of like one song as like mad samples in it like think of um uh Duckworth there you go that's three samples uh you know uh Ninth Wonder did an amazing video on how he how he chopped that up go peep that I forgot what who I think it was Mass Appeal but anyway Go peep that. that's an amazing video. Um, yeah, that's free. That's free tracks right there. Maybe there's maybe there's a few more sprinkled in there. Who knows, All right? Um, but that's just one song. Then you get to the rest of damn. <laughs> Like barely one, I I can I can estimate like if yeah, uh, let me find. if I if I took a guess, I could I could I would guarantee there's probably less than one per song on that on that entire, on the rest of that album. Um, oh no, it's not yeah, too it's bad. Good. It's not
0: too bad. I don't oh, was it? not sample snitch, but it is. Um, it's in the top <laughs> twenty of the two thousand tens. It's it's above one. Okay. So. It's up there. Ooh, 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 it's, above it's, one, above one. It's not too one. bad. It's not too bad. I think there are some sneaky samples used. I mean, this is another above example one. of this is another example <laughs> of what I was trying to say. Like, um, yeah, of the yeah. you know, I've just got the data quickly in here of the top fifty artists who use samples. So the top fifty with regards to samples per song,
1: yeah. only
0: two are like pre-9096 artists, like artists... Uh, sorry, post nineteen ninety six artists who de- debuted either 1996 or later. That is Jay-Z and Kanye West. Jay-Z debuted in 96. <sighs> Everyone else is is pre. But like if we look at the 2010s and we look at artists with uh, Above A 2, I mean, again, like right. it, it's, it's these pinnacle albums where... These are some of the best albums that we've ever heard. Washed It Thrown. Uh, Nothing was the same. Great album. Four Four Four. Forest Hills Drive. You know, Life Is Good. My Beautiful Dark The Fantasy. Take Care. Like Born Sinner. Uh, we Got It From Here. Tribe Called Quest. Damn by Kendrick. These are all in the top twenty. And and what that says to me is that this is still an essential part of creating an incredible album. It's just become too expensive, and before, like, to mm-hmm. get into the point, if you don't mind me continuing, is that alright if I can yeah, go for it. So the point about sample stitching, and I'll let Charlie explain it a little bit, but like, what I want to ex- what I want to say is the reason why it's such an issue is because of record labels and how uh, yep. how how hard it is to actually clear these samples. You know, yep. like uh, DJ Booth wrote a great piece on it. And it focused uh, Deborah Manis-Gardner, who is the president of DMG Clearances, uh, has experience with Fat Joe, Lupe, Eminem, Nas, The Roots, Drake. Great insight into the difference today compared to the early 90s. Uh, She said that she worked on Common's first album and the samples were so cheap that you could easily afford to fit four or five samples per song. Like, very easy. She said now... Publishers, read publishers, not songwriters, they want a minimum, she said, of 10 to 15% of earnings. Multiply that by four for four samples on a song. And you've got to remember that the artist is only making a tiny portion of the song as it is because their own label is going to be taking a, a large amount of money. So that's what, 60% gone to samples already. So you've got 40% left. Say the artist makes 10%. What the fuck is left for the artist, man? It's a tiny amount of money. Um, so she said that for a mainstream album at the moment, you have to expect to pay $150,000 upfront just to clear Ooh. the samples. Just to clear them. That's not even the, the earnings on top of that and the, the publishing that goes to them. $150,000. And the process seems really convoluted. You know, obviously, as I said earlier, the song has to be made before the sample can be cleared because the publisher wants to know how their song is being utilized and what the content of the record is. So you have to write and record the song knowing full well that the publisher might bar you from even using it or charge you a ridiculously expensive fee. Now there are two Jay stories, as I say, well, most of my stories are Jay-Z related, but they're usually pretty indicative of what goes on. Um, the first is a song Streets Is Watching off uh, Jay's second album, He Couldn't Swear. So apparently in the last few days, an actual uh, uncensored version has been released and it's on title. But up until a couple of days ago, it wasn't officially available because the person who originally provided the sample requested that Jay-Z not swear. So all of the official versions are censored. He did that so in order to clear it because he recorded the song, it was ready to go. And this was just the way it is. And of course, the other story is The Annie sample story, you know, Jay-Z had already, he wanted the right, he wrote to the rights holders and fabricated a story in order to clear it. That's how hard it is to clear these samples and what you have to do to jump through hoops to get them. And I think to me, that's surprising. You know, Danny Brown said he spent like $70,000 on the process of clearing samples for Atrocity Exhibition. He said he would never do it again because it was so expensive. Mm. Redman said he once spent $9,000 just to clear a James Brown sample um very challenging man and that surprised me the most is the difficulty in the clearing you know how much it costs like it can cost you a lot on the back end but just to clear the sample in the first place is wild and yeah i, I, I the sample snitching thing i don't really know how to tackle it to be honest because it's something i've only come up against recently i i didn't i wasn't aware of this i was not aware of this uh yeah, Charlie. Do you have any thoughts on it? Because I don't really know what to say about it.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's um, it it, it's it, it it's 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 got layers. Like it has layers to it. Um, I feel like the first one is um, the fact that uh, it remind when I when I hear like something like sample snitching, it reminds me of the time where like uh, all the all the prominent NY 90s uh, producers, you know, the premieres, the Pete Rocks, Lord of Finesse's, all of them lot, right, would go to the Roosevelt Hotel and just fucking rinse uh, this uh, uh, just like treasure trove of, uh, of, of vinyl. And, uh, you know, it was, it, I, f- I think it was on Hip Hop Evolution uh, on Netflix where like they did a few... Uh, had a few people talk about that orally uh, or history on it and uh, yeah the, the competitiveness that they were like talking in the, the competitiveness in the way they were talking about it it's like oh what did he get fuck no I need to get something better than that you know what I mean like it's just stuff like that it, it's interesting so for them I feel like it's in some ways a sport um, and you don't want to like you know step on other people to just like or have your fans step on, or step on you to go like, ah, he's got, he's got this, oh, bro, he's got that sample. Oh my gosh, I heard that somewhere, right? And uh, they actually find it, and then they just lay out to the world. Uh, but I feel like in that world, it wouldn't have been, it was never an issue, right? Because la-dee-la, Social media comes through, and everyone can just like say, "Oh, Madlib had this feature by this artist." And you know that can possibly spread like wildfire, because um, I know there are you know sample digging communities, and people literally spend all their days just like trying to find, <laughs> trying to find a sample to this. Uh, uh, three seconds snippet that Madlib did on the end of Crime Pays or some shit, you know. <laughs> like you know, people do that. People live their lives for that kind of shit, and you know, it's fascinating. But I don't think I'd, you know, stake my entire life on it. Um, but yeah, it's just um, because of the advent of social media, I guess, and because people can just like share this information, um, it bakes people out. It it does bake people out. Um, and what counts as what counts as infringement? Um, cause I know, uh, you know, for people like YouTubers and stuff like that, they can't use a, a song for like, I don't know, three seconds, five seconds, something like that. Otherwise they get demonetized. Um, so, you know, what's the, what's the length? What's the, what's the cutoff for a regular hip hop song? And does it matter? If it was like a track that was on, like a deep cut on an album, or uh, a a number one single that spent five weeks on number one the charts, is is there a difference between that? Is is there, like, it's semantics, right? And that's kind of why I don't even. uh, That's why. It's kind of why I just don't subscribe to any of this like bullshit about the red tape because it's just like, why? (laughs) I know why, but you know, just why, bro? Why? Why? Just. Enjoy the fuck it up, my guy. But um, you know, on the of snu- the snu- 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 front, I just feel like people are much more uh, attentive, for better or worse. Um, and you know, people just go out and just call it snitching, and I can understand why producers and DJs uh, feel that type of way and feel like you know you- you're blowing up their spot basically. Um, you know, I, c- I can understand that you're-, you're basically blowing up their spot, and uh, you know, just saying like. Uh, oh oh i've heard that somewhere let me go find it <laughs> and actually it reminds me of this um i forgot who, i forgot who uh i forgot who uh went that in but like frank ocean did a, a a complete uh like took a whole track i think it was eagles may have been eagles um uh, and it might have been hotel california actually um yeah so frank ocean took a track i think it was by the eagles uh, don't quote me on that it um was, yeah. hotel california yeah, it was yeah. it was It was Hotel California. Yeah. So he took that whole track. He took, like, the whole, you know, skeleton of it and basically made it into a Frank Ocean track, right? But we, everyone knew it was based on Hotel California because it's hard, it's not hard to, you know, clock that, right? Um, If you have a decent ear, right? But they still went at him, even though the track itself wasn't being sold. Like, he, I I think he dropped that track for free, um, Frank Ocean. So, you know, there's no bother there, but still they were hassling him for it. And that's just. That's just overkill. Like I feel like, um, but again, in some ways, there is some worth in that because you can go and uh, that could that could be the gateway song for for some for, for some random person. They they might really enjoy the Eagles, and then they heard some uh, R and B artist did a rendition of it, and then they go to listen to it, and then they go listen to more Frank Ocean. But in that sense, I feel like it's so jarring because who cares? about uh, whether someone listens to the Eagles or Frank Ocean um, I, feel, I, feel, I mean me personally if I listen to some uh, like I said with the, the Lava Larue track I desperately want to know what that sample is because I've, I've heard that somewhere else yeah. and I really want to yeah, know what I it is like... I want to know the OG yeah. sample I, I, I told you off wax I've been watching Snowfall to, uh, in the past couple of days there are so many heaters on that freaking show like just classic bangers um, they had a freaking... Um, oh, fuck. I think it was like a... a oh, yeah, they had California Dreamin' um, and not by the Mamas and Papas. It was by a, it was by some other dude. Let me get my Shazam up right quick because I want to give credit. Um, but, yeah, you know, in that case, that was a cover. And that's another conversation we could have possibly had with this. What's the difference between a cover and a sample?
0: Well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the difference because the cover is exactly what i said earlier where it's an interpolation or a cover of and it goes to it normally goes to the songwriter in that instance if you're taking the master this is the key thing with the frank ocean thing where he just took the entire master recording and then put his own vocals on it so he didn't re-record it he just kept the instrumental i haven't heard the song by the way i'm just reading this um so that's a that's a sample but if you're doing a cover and you know placebo for example is a british rock band they they released an album of covers where they just replayed the samples themselves live that's a cover uh so you don't have to pay the rights holders because you're creating your own master recording of this so you have to pay the songwriter um so that's the difference and that's why a lot of artists will uh, a lot of producers will play the sample themselves because then they Mm -hmm. only have to pay the songwriter and not the rights holder
1: okay Good. That's uh, 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 some uh, some good info right there. some good juice. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's just a really good answer. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that, but yeah. That was a really good answer. But um, yeah, so I, I just... I feel like the snitching part of it is just, you know... Um, I don't think people understand uh, how easy it is to blow up somebody's spot on that front. And who knows whether, like... Because uh, I, I don't feel like producers actually uh go to instagram and go like look what you fuckers did now i'm now i'm getting uh called for you know uh, uh using this three second sample now that you you fuckers you know what i mean i don't think they're doing that but i still but i do think they may or may have not gotten them kind of letters uh, <laughs> just after the track was made and they didn't actually clear it um and again it goes back to what what counts as like r- grounds for it? Like, is it just the one second or the whole track itself? Like, I can understand it when it's some uh, something like uh, uh, fucking uh, b- b- the b- the like Dugwa, for example, where like you can clearly catch the. I mean, the first few seconds is just like the uh, I forget what I forget what particular song it was, but you know, the, darling, I've tried many times. You know, the, <laughs> that ain't hard. They ain't hard to look up. Just look up the lyrics. It's not hard. So you know that's that's the backbone of a track. Um, and there's plenty of songs like that where it's the backbone of it. Um, but I just wonder, and this is kind of just an, a, a rhetorical question, but I just wonder like what's the what's the line for it? And I feel like it's gone to the point where it's just like if you, if you use just a smidgen of it, and uh, you have to you have to I guess clear that shit. Um, but I, just, I just, it just it just makes me uncomfortable. The whole thing makes me uncomfortable. And this is kind of why I don't for, for some things in life, I I would love to experience doing it. But I just if I can't if you can't do it with the, you know, with the full freedom, then why do it at all? Um, and, and that's just me. And that's just very existential about it. And I'm not looking to be a producer of any kind, but I wouldn't mind trying one day. But I feel like if if I'm gonna do it, I'd do it in the traditional way, just to just because I'm a semi-purist in that fashion. But you know, eh, eh, eh. I mean, I, I just, like, like I said at the start, I feel like the whole thing has been just a, a sheen has been lost because of this, because of all this. And um, that dip is just—it it makes us laugh to think, just to, to look at. But it's—it's it's scary. It's, it's lost something. It's scary just to think about that. Like to to you know go back to that, the score to watch the throne. Like none nothing else cracks the cracks the top thirty, and that's just disappointing. I I just, I just find that sad, and I feel like it's uh it it. it I, I I wouldn't say right. Let's just say for hypotheticals, and I'll kill it here. And you can go wherever you want with this. But um, hypothetically, right? Say the say this. Um, all this bullshit was lifted, right? And uh, people would have free reign to to do what they wanted. Um, you know. And let's and let's go with my utopian um uh, uh, way of thinking, where they go to the artists and they just simply ask. You know what I mean? And if they want some pee from it, get, get some get you get your negotiation on if you want right? Because let's be real they don't go to the eyes for this they go to the label they go to the labels for this right and that's the difference right if it, if it, if, I, if i'm paying for the, if i'm putting the money in the artist's pockets then i then then there'll be less uh less discomfort the discomfort from this is the fact that there's a big ass corporation in the middle of it that's what's making me uncomfortable that's what's making me personally itch about all of this if it was utopian and it went to the artist and, you know, they get all the, they they sort out a price for whatever, they, you know, my lawyer call, calls your lawyer, whatever, you know what I mean, or you do it personally, that's fine by me. I can live with that. I, I, I find that, a you know, just a good, solid way of doing things, right? Just a real nice, you know, traditional shake of the hands kind of way of doing things. But now it's just like, nah, 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 nah. We own this. Uh, you give us this, 150k minimum. Fuck off. Yeah, yes. Water- my, my eyes watered. My eyes watered to f- that fucking number, bro. So yeah. Uh, I feel like this could this could be there could be a middle ground to this. I feel like, and I know there won't be. Um, but yeah, it's. I feel like the the wild west of pr- of 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 the 80s, you know, can't happen again. Um, for for just logical reasons, but I feel like it can be the 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 essence can be regained. I feel like, um, and I can stay hopeful in that fashion. But um, yeah, <laughs> just, unless people unless the artists own their uh, own their masters, then 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 shit. And from how we've seen the recent news about like you know from Lil Wayne to Bob Dylan, I feel like uh, you know people just yeah. cashing the fuck in for some of this shit. So you know I feel like it's just going backwards. Well, let me just
0: you know speak a little bit like you you mentioned that you weren't sure if artists had said anything it, actually a few artists have said stuff now sample snitching um if you're sitting at home and not really understanding what we're talking about because to be fair i had no idea what it was um It's simply the act of someone going through someone's discography and identifying the samples and then posting them on the internet somewhere. So, you know, it's impossible for the listener to know whether those samples were cleared or not, unless the artist explicitly says these have been cleared or they haven't been. So who sampled, for example, you know, all that information on there, I don't know whether any of the samples that I discovered, not discovered, but counted on here have been cleared or not. We don't know as listeners so mm-hmm. plenty of artists have actually been very critical of sample snitching so rock Marciano, mad lib in the 2010s um dj premiere on a gangstar album oh, i forget what song it was in 1998 was talking about it so it's been a constant it's been a real thing you know people have been quite upset and my thing is i agree that songwriters should be paid uh when their art is being used and i also agree that songwriters have the ability to say i don't particularly want my song used in this way now an example of this is when donald trump is using people's songs for his rallies and they're coming out and saying what the fuck are you doing i don't want my (laughs) song used by you ever so i can understand that and that you know that's a hugely exaggerated example i'm just using that you know and i feel tracy was tracy chapman used uh, yeah, Nikki
1: used her uh, her stuff in it. That was recently uh, settled. Okay, I didn't see that.
0: All right, so yeah. look, you know, there are, there are all sorts of motivations for why an artist wouldn't want their their music used. But the problem we're having here is, as exactly as Charlie said, the conversation is not happening between artist and artist. It's happening between artist and label. So immediately, you've removed the songwriter from this whole process. You're giving them a small percentage, but you're making a business decision. So regardless of you know how the song is going to be used, uh, how the songwriter feels about it, an example is uh, you know Danger Mouse with the Grey Album, which mashed up the Black Album by Jay Z and the White Album by the Beatles. Mm. EMI sued the pants off him and just got that thing just scrubbed from the internet. They got it removed. It's one of the greatest mashups in the history of mashups. It's absolutely amazing. I got it on vinyl. Um, Paul McCartney loved it and he he didn't want money from it he said this is amazing i really love this project but dj danger mouse couldn't put it out because the label was against it so the issue is not so much uh for me you know i would totally understand if this was songwriters saying we want to know how our samples are bit how our songs are being sampled and under what context and you know they may have all maybe they're devout Christians and this was a Christian song and they don't want it used in a <laughs> devil worship song. I don't know. Like I don't know the circumstances. There's an infinite amount of circumstances. But I feel like you have control in that sense over how your uh samples are used as a songwriter, but you don't. You don't. The label has the control. And this is the whole problem with the thing is that no one's come in and created a framework for paying people. No one's come in and said as Charlie said, you know that we can work out a percentage that's, that's, val- that's valuable and, and you know, is correct, and then we can apply it across a broad spectrum of music. It just doesn't exist. Now, I don't know how that framework would be put in place. I don't know how those decisions would be made. But I see the problem as being there is no framework whatsoever. So rights holders can charge whatever they want. And naturally, if you're a massive artist, they're going to charge you big money because they know that you've got a major label behind you and that's going to cost. And the whole thing, if you look at it, just zoom yourself out of it and look at the way this is happening. Where do you see the songwriter in this process? Nowhere. The songwriter is sitting outside of the ecosystem. They're sitting outside of the bubble. The label's doing all this shit. They're negotiating everything. They're saying yes or no. They're defining how the sample is used. They're defining what price it is. And at the end of it, at the end of it, they write you a little check and then they mail it to you outside of the bubble. They go, here you go. Your song was used here. All right, man, what the fuck? Like, it's um, it's the same with advertisements and stuff like that. The label gets to the side. I just don't fuck with that. So with regards to sample snitching, normally I would say if it was solely the songwriters that you were you know taking music from and then deciding not to pay them then i would probably be against it i would probably say that's not cool man like i think you should pay the songwriters but this is artist against label and how am i ever going to be against the artist in that you know i can't ever be just i'm i'm opposed to labels in such a strong way so i can understand both sides of it Um, and I do think it's really hard for the listeners to really understand that, that because I had no idea about it until last year when Connor was telling us that he was getting pretty much dragged online by a few people because of some of the stuff he was doing. And that was confronting to see. I had no idea about this. I'm like, what is sample snitching? And then I thought, well, who sampled exists? So it's out there. And then I realized like that's collectively done, you know, so I can understand both sides, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck with labels setting prices and, and defining how music is used. And I don't agree with that at all. And I, I think that that has been very detrimental to the art of hip-hop. As Charlie said, you know, we probably won't ever get back to that golden age because of that, you know. And I think that it's, it's very, very clear that a courtroom decision in 1991 changed the shape of hip-hop music. Think about that. And it wasn't a courtroom decision between two artists, it was a courtroom decision between two labels, and to me, that that should never be the case. I hate it how much influence labels have over the creation of art. And um, again, going back, Charlie made some great points in this episode. Think about the wealth of music out there that is just not it's not in the in the collective. It's on someone's hard drive somewhere because they couldn't get that sample cleared. Think about the art that we've missed out on because of that. You know, and if the songwriter doesn't want that to come out, fine man. That's that's okay, that's your song. But if it's the label that's defined that, that's bad to me. That I don't like that at all. I don't I don't I don't agree with that. So yeah, man, that's that's my takeaway from the whole thing. I found it really fascinating to once again dive into the impact that, that capitalism and the financial side of music has has had on hip hop.
1: Yeah, um, it's just disappointing, like to it is. know it is how much yeah. of a seismic shift that is. It's sad. Like you know, uh, it, you could, you could, you could power for power, you could, you could make an argument that that particular decision um, t- fundamentally just knee capped what hip hop was, and officially, you could say that exact flashpoint uh, made hip hop into a business. Uh, instead of just an art form of a It would
0: all happen around this time, right? Anyway, like we've we've come back to this point so many times in this podcast. We've done like 97 episodes and I swear in half of them, we've come back to the early <laughs> 90s and like the major labels getting involved and it's just, yeah. it fundamentally yeah. changes the sound of hip hop and shout out to hip hop for being so incredibly adaptable because you remove a huge element of that sound and it, it actually yeah. just propelled itself further into the mainstream. So, you know, that is the the sign of an incredibly healthy type of music but like you know you're right like it's just that 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 verdict and that that yeah, it just fundamentally changes sound of hip hop it's crazy
1: yeah and you know it, 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 hip hop evolved for better or worse and you know uh, we have we have said that like you know uh, an essence has been lost but that's no that's no like diss or whatever to anything that came after it uh, any of the music on that front, obviously not. Um, but it, it would just—I—I—I I, I would just love to see that parallel universe where, like, it di- where it was maybe just a little, just just a little less stringent and uh, didn't involve the labels at all in that kind of decision making. Uh, yeah, the fact that the fact the whole thing was taken out of the hands of the is themselves just really jars me. And, uh, you know, it just it's just it just makes the whole thing very fascinating, but also just very disappointing uh, (laughs) on that front. And just uh, and just learning about this to the past hour, it's just it's just been a bit been a bit uh, flat to realize um, and just bonkers. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely, absolutely bonkers just to think about. But uh, if you're cool with that, we can leave that there and uh, we can offer. Straight into a lighter note, which is actually a genuine lighter note. I wanted to give flowers uh, to Miss Lauren Hill, uh, who recently uh, went diamond with Miss Education round Lauren Hill.
0: Round of applause! Hill. Round of applause! What a fucking and album that is, man! Yeah,
1: man. So it, it just, it just, it's just another notch. It's just another notch and another, uh, you know. And we, you know, we don't subscribe to the, you know, uh, oh. This this thing went platinum, so now it's officially uh, worth something. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, that's not how we try and judge things here, but uh, it is truly just, you know, it's an elite club uh, to have something go diamond. And, uh, you know, to have an album of that magnitude, of that uh, just epic detail and heart and soul into it uh, and personability is just outstanding to think about and uh you know to have an album such as miss education go uh, go diamond uh along with you know plenty of other works um it's just it's just crazy and uh you know so i just wanted to give flowers to miss Lauren hill on that front um on the uh, on the uh what's the what's the on the precipice of women's history month uh, which is which we are actually starting our uh, is it next week
0: no no we have no. Uh,
1: uh, well, uh well that's yeah that's a tough one yeah tuesday yeah that's a tough one yeah we're, so we're gonna have to the next episode
0: we're gonna have to record pre women's history month to drop in <laughs> women's me, history it? month yeah so what yeah, yeah the, okay so the so second yeah <laughs>
1: That's okay. weird. Okay, yeah. So we're recording next week, but uh, technically the next episode will be in March, and that will be when we begin our Women's History Month. And uh, <clears throat> since we're there, I might as well just announce the uh, artists that we're gonna do since we've logged in recently. Uh, so we are starting off uh, with Debrat. Then we're going through uh, next to Mary J. Mary J. Blige, which is gonna be fascinating because obviously she's hip hop, but uh, not like just hip hop. So I'm gonna uh, we're gonna that's gonna be a fascinating catalogue. That will be
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then uh, going straight into MC Light. Uh, and then we're going to Eve, and then we're going to finish off with uh Well, <laughs> funny enough, we were talking about Contemporary to- uh, contemporary call last week, uh, but we're going to do Nikki uh, Minaj. Uh, uh, ben-, ben wants to do Nikki uh, since she's apparently retired, which I never wow. believe unless they're dead. But uh, you know, that's <laughs> we're gonna se- we're gonna see we're gonna see, and I guess her arc has kind of been filled in that front uh you know, for, for the past 10 years, I feel like she's gone through uh, a lot for a career. uh yeah. And obviously from a from a pioneer standpoint, I feel like and well, we're yeah, going to get definitely. we'll get to that where we get to that. But I feel like it's a good it's a good contemporary example of like a retrospective. I feel like it's probably the best one out there. So, yeah, those are the five females we're going to cover uh, for the next five weeks, uh, for the next five episodes here on DITD. Go straight through episode 100 with those, and uh, I think our anniversary episode is going to be in eight, is sometime in April, late April. Uh,
0: so we're gonna we'll we'll do we'll, we'll do something for that. I don't know. We'll think about I don't it. Know. But we'll, yeah, yeah. Last anniversary episode was good, but I'm super keen on uh, this next five run because I've been listening to Brad all week, and um, I want to. I feel like there needs to be an existential episode after we do these five episodes, and just have a look at. You know we've done women in hip hop before, right? And we did yeah. it, but but I've had I've got so much more perspective on it, and so many more questions, and so much more confusion because listening to Debrat, I'm just like, yes, she's just top tree, like, but why have I never listened to her before? I don't know. Like I I just need to get to the bottom of that because mm-hmm. there's nothing. You know, there's there's a song on one of her albums where she opens up. She's rapping next to Twister, and they're both just going bonkers. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? She can, she is at the pinnacle like yeah i don't know i i need to to have a look and and think about that because the nikki one will be interesting you know um it's gonna be a celebration man it's not gonna be it's not gonna be any hate from me i've always loved nikki and she's actually no honestly man she is the most successful uh female rapper of all time we're gonna have we'd have to have an existential talk even about the words female rapper like it's just it's it's a it's a nuanced thing and It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting, but I'm super excited, especially Mary J, because I've never d- dived into her catalog before, you know. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's popped up everywhere on everything. So, everyone mm-hmm. knows about Mary J, but like I want to listen to her. Disc- I I assume she's got a million albums, eh. So, I'm going to have to start dump- jumping into that like ASAP. But um yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting, man. I'm I'm super keen on that. So, uh yeah, definitely tap in for that. We always nail these uh these monthly things we actually really do really well with them so if you yeah you know if you're not fucking with us then stick around because the next five weeks can be great
1: oh she's got so many albums okay oh (laughs) shit oh man there's like there's like at least there's like at least like eight here uh uh, i mean uh, we could uh, probably uh, skip
0: a merry christmas like
1: yeah i'm yeah i'm I'm, yeah i was gonna say we're not doing (laughs) (laughs) Or <laughs> or think like about two or the or, or maybe the London sessions, but uh, London yeah, sessions, we'll, 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 a, we'll we'll do a we'll do we'll do a wow. you know, the good amount as if uh, you know as, as we as we always do and give respect. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be good. So I feel like that extension conversation is gonna be fun at the end of that. Uh, I feel like that's uh, definitely worth uh, definitely worth revisiting. Um, I'm gonna relist list that, that previous episode we did like a I think it was like uh, like pre. So like, like, episode, like before episode 10 like yeah single digit episodes one of the first ones we did one of the first proper ones we did number eight um, episode
0: eight <coughs> March was eight. 20, yeah, may yeah. 29 2019 like you know Oi. nearly 18 Oof. months 20 months ago it's like Oof. a long long we were like yeah. that's the thing i, I want to listen to that because you know i assume that you know both of us are pretty aware individuals and we we grow and you know so i want to listen to that and see yeah if that matches up with my current Worldview, because I think that yeah. I might I get embarrassed. I remember it being a good episode.
1: But... From how I, you know, but uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes from yeah, you know, two two years onwards. You know, I think we've yeah, you know, obviously as as you said, like uh, expanded our horizons on that front. I've learned a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. So that's the slate for the next few weeks. Uh, you know, if you if you ain't into it, uh, be a like, drop, subscribe, drop a review, and then uh, say uh, I hate women and uh, dip out. Oh. It's all good. But anyway, apart from that. <laughs> Alright Ladies and gentlemen For the Fifth Element Podcast Network It's been digging digits. I've been shy Taylor the Fifth Element I've been Ben Carter of Sydney, Australia (laughs) Salute to Sydney And uh, Of Murdoch Country (laughs) Uh, country, Oh no, everywhere (laughs) Everywhere Fuck Hope you all have have a Hope you all have a good week Yeah, uh, well, who who am I saying fucking every newspaper out there is fucking... fucking Anyway, what can I say? Uh, But anyway, uh, have a great week. We should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, Music for shows, piece of video games, but bonus points. Thanks to cheer off records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip-hop button numbers, bonus points and cheer off records will be in the full show notes for if you're listening. This has been a fifth end podcast network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time, for Women's History Month on Digging Digits.